Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. If our sound booth team could put up, do we have a slide for our Bible plan? Oh, cool. So uh, we have a, a brand new Bible plan that we've started this year uh, as of the 1st of January. No, we don't have that slide. That's okay. Um, but we are, uh, we as a church, we are continuing through the Bible. We've got a new plan that we started as of the first this year. And uh, this message has come directly from my daily Bible reading. And if you've been keeping up with that plan, then you have just read this story as well. And, uh, and God began just to speak to me about this again and, and reveal some new things in my heart and some old things as well. Uh, And so Genesis chapter 39, I want you to turn with me. And in the scripture we're going to read this morning, we're going to discover the value of something that is becoming more and more rare in our world today, and that is the value of integrity. Everybody say the word integrity. Integrity is something that is being lost in a broken and uh, an immoral generation. But I want to talk to you about a message this morning that I've titled, Integrity Still Matters. And I want to use the story of Joseph this morning to remind us why it is important, the character of our lives, the decisions that we make in the secret places when nobody is watching. One man said, character is who you are in the dark when no one else is looking. I can see your faces this morning, I can see the clothes you're wearing, but what I can't see is your true character. Only you and only God truly know who you really are. And many times I'm afraid that people can come to church and put on a show and have a decent life, and yet underneath the layers that we put on for the world, there is a lack of integrity. And I want to challenge you this morning to a life of integrity let's read this story from genesis 39 beginning with verse 5 the story of joseph so it was from the time that he made him overseer of his house and all that he had and the lord blessed the egyptian's house for joseph's sake and the blessing of the lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field And thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. In other words, here's Potiphar, who is the owner of the house. Uh, Joseph is a slave, has been uh, purchased by Potiphar, and has been managing his affairs and his money. And uh, according to what we just read, Joseph is doing such a good job that Potiphar has basically left all the details in Joseph's hands, and the house is prospering. You almost wish that that was the end of the story. But here's where it gets interesting. 
Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, lie with me. But he refused. I want you to think about that. He refused. And said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. He has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work None of the men of the house were inside that she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus, by the wonderful word that you've given us from, your, from, the, from the word of God today. We're praying, God, that you would anoint this service. God, anoint the, the word as it's spoken and anoint the ears of those who are hearing this morning. I'm praying that you would... In this place, find a people of integrity. And God, we understand that our hearts are so uh, broken from sin. But God, you are a redemptive God. You are a God who can raise us up to lives of integrity. And I'm praying, Lord, that you would speak to us and challenge us, convict us today, that we can be holy as you are holy. In Jesus' mighty name, God's people would say, Amen. Integrity still matters. In a world today where you find it less and less, you find integrity in uh, fewer and fewer places. It's definitely not in our politicians. It's definitely not in our government. It's definitely not in our institutions. Uh, We are becoming more and more corrupt as days go by. I want to take a moment to define what I mean when I'm talking about integrity this morning. My favorite dictionary in the world is Webster's 1828 Dictionary. And in that dictionary, he defines integrity as wholeness, entireness, and unbroken state. How many of you ever bought something brand new off the shelf? Uh, It wasn't too long ago that I got a a new computer. But, you know, uh, I'm on a preacher's budget, so I couldn't just go down to Best Buy and get the one wrapped in the cellophane wrapping. You know, I had to buy one that was pre-owned. That's a nice way of saying that it's used. And so, but if you've ever had the experience of going to buy something that's new, that's pristine, it's wrapped in cellophane packaging, and you get that feeling, and it's like you crack. I, when I used to work at the Apple store, this was a big part of when people would come in to buy some fancy new shiny object, uh, I would put it in their hands and say, you do the unboxing, because it's such a, an experience, man. You, you break that wrapper, it's like... <coughs> and little, you peel it off. And, you know, Apple makes those boxes that are just so crisp and clean and the corners are sharp. And, man, it's like a spiritual experience opening. And that, that idea, listen, just by breaking that wrapper, can I tell you, there's value that is leaving that object. Right? 
There is something valuable about the new computer, the new iPhone that's still in the package. The NIB, if you see it on eBay, if NIB are three very important letters, it stands for new in box. If you can find an old device that is NIB, there is value in that because it has been still untouched by human hands. That's the thought of the word integrity. The entire unimpaired state of anything. Particularly the mind. Moral soundness, purity, incorruptness, uprightness, honesty, integrity comprehends the moral character of a man. You know, the problem when we start talking about integrity, especially in the Christian worldview, is that we believe all people are broken. That from the womb we are stained with original sin, and so none of us can experience the same kind of integrity as someone like Christ who did not possess a sin nature. But having said that this morning and having recognized our sinful fallen nature, it does not remove the fact that the Word of God calls you to integrity. It is not an excuse for us to hide behind the theology and the doctrine of original sin. Well, I'm just a sinner, Pastor. Guess I'm going to be broken forever. And and I'm going to have to depend on the grace of God and the mercy of God. And yes, we are so grateful for God's grace and His mercy that He's there to catch us when we fall. And while we don't throw that away, we don't minimize that truth, at the same time, we are not going to minimize the necessity in the kingdom of God for integrity. The word integrity is actually interesting. I love doing word studies about where words came from. It actually comes from a mathematical term that you might be familiar with, the word integer. An integer means it's a whole number as compared to a fraction. An integer means the number one, the number two, the number three, rather than 1.5 or 2.7 or three-fourths or or five-eighths, or seven-sixteenths. Instead of a fraction, an integer means a full number, a whole. The word is, uh, is, comes from a Latin root. In, of course, means not. And then the word tangier means to touch. So literally, an integer means untouched or unbroken, something that is preserved unopened i have a water bottle here just came from the fridge it's still frosty and as of a few moments ago before i took a drink it was integral until for the first time i popped the cap off right i broke the seal and at that moment all of the nastiness of the air and of my lips and everything that was in my mouth came into this bottle. And now, you might, wa- you might still want to drink it. I don't know, maybe you're kind of that kind of person, but look, it's not the same as it was before. Because before I broke that seal, it had been untouched. 
unbroken. It had integrity. I want to ask you this morning, not about a bottle or a computer. I want to ask you about your life. Because it is critical that like Joseph, if we are going to experience the destiny that God has set before us, it's going to be critical, your character, the integrity of your heart. I work in the computer industry, and one of the worst things that can happen is if somebody has a a problem with their laptop, and they have already taken it apart, thinking that they can fix it on their own, and they reach a point when they don't know what they're doing, and so you know what they do? They take all the pieces that they've taken apart, all those little teeny tiny screws, and throw them into a box, and they bring it to, to me like that. It is one of the worst things to try to put back together. It's worse than a jigsaw puzzle. Because the screws, different sizes, different places, you have to have like a manufacturer's uh, a diagram of how to put that thing back together. It's a terrible thing to have to try to do. You wish that somebody, when they had a problem, you just say, hey, I have a problem. Can you take this apart? Yes, I can. I know how to take that apart and put it back together in, a, in the right way. One of the worst things that can happen is when they bring in a box full of unorganized parts. And this, this beloved, is a picture of how many people come to the kingdom. This is a picture of how many of us walk into the church and come to Christ with our lives in disarray. Can we be honest? We've made decisions. We've done a few things that, you know, we, we took the fan and we tossed it across the room. You know, the fan is like pretty important in a laptop. Without the fan, it just doesn't stay on. And we've taken the, the CPU and the graphics card and we've taken all those things and, and they're all spread across and This is the picture of a lack of integrity does to us. Where God has intended for life to work in a certain way. But when we lack integrity, wholeness, completeness, when our lives have been broken apart. Have you ever heard someone describe themselves, I have a broken heart. That's what it means. It means life has happened to you. You took a hit. You made some decisions or perhaps some decisions happen to you. And things begin to break apart and they begin to not work the way that God intended. Or not work at all. This is why people come into the kingdom bitter. Full of unforgiveness, anger, rage. Am I preaching anybody this morning? This is why... Uh, through the course of life, you know, life can, can hit you right between the eyes. See, see the uh, book of Job. And unsuspecting and for no apparent reason, his life is thrown into pieces. And he's sitting there on top of an ash heap, scraping his boils, saying to himself, how did this happen to me? Maybe you find yourself there this morning. It's because of a lack of integrity, either your own or someone else. Integrity is rare. The Word of God says this, Proverbs 20, verse 6, that most men will proclaim each his own goodness. Isn't that true? We're quick to defend ourselves, aren't we? Oh, no. 
not me. Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? The righteous man walks in integrity, and his children are blessed after him. I'm going to come back to that in a few moments. Psalm 15, verse 1, we also read this recently in our Bible plan. It's a psalm of David, who may worship in your sanctuary, O Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? In other words, God, who's going to be with you in heaven? Those who lead blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth from sincere hearts. Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. Those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises even when it hurts. Those who lend money without charging interest and those who cannot be bribed to lie about the innocent. Such people will stand firm forever. What is being described in this Psalm of David can be boiled down to one word, integrity. To do what's right. The right thing in the right time. And it is truly in our generation and in every generation, it is truly something rare. Something uh, uh, that you cannot find very often. So secondly, I want to examine with you that integrity must be tested. And that's where the scripture that we read comes in. We read about Joseph, and we even at this point that we read in his story, he's already been through some junk. He's been betrayed by his brothers. He's been sold into slavery. He's experienced that that uh, that lack of human dignity to be sold like a piece of uh, of of, uh, of furniture from one person to another, to experience the indignity of that must have been horrible. And especially because he had grown up being the favorite of his father, right? He had grown up wearing the colorful robe of righteousness. Uh, this was a sign of favor and blessing that came from his father. And uh, he even was such a favorite of his father that his brothers became jealous of him. All of his older brothers. You know, older, older siblings can get jealous of the babies sometimes. And uh, they said, why does our father treat you with such blessing? And why does he uh, give you this, this blessed robe and colorful? And, uh, and because of this, their sinful hearts... They said, let's tell dad that he got killed. And they sold him into slavery. They brought back his, his robe and dipped it in the blood of an animal and convinced their father that he had been killed by a wild animal. And so he's, he's experienced great trauma and tragedy in life. And that's where we can find, uh, we can find ourselves in line with Joseph's stories that We've all experienced some kind of trauma, haven't we? We've all experienced betrayal. Even by people who love us and are closest to us. These are his brothers, man. People who are supposed to stick up for you when life gets hard. People who are supposed to protect him. And here they are violating his life. Violating his relationship with his father. Violating his future. He's been sold into, into 
slavery. He's going down into Egypt, which we know Egypt in the Bible is a picture of the life of sin, right? Egypt is a picture. It's like when, uh, when the, uh, the, the, the 400 years of slavery that the promised people, they live 400 years praying to God, deliver us from this life of bondage. It's the life of sin. And it was Joseph who first made the journey down into Egypt. And that's where we pick up this story as he sold into a, into a, a wealthy man's house. There's something that's obviously different about Joseph. He's carrying the blessing of God wherever he goes. And I love the story of Joseph because it gives us hope that a simple individual... Listen, Joseph is no superhero. Joseph is no, you know, uh, he's not without flaws. He is, a, he is a human being like us. But the Bible says about Joseph that he is a man who had integrity. And how do we know that? Because integrity must be tested. I'm looking around this morning for a strong man. Is there any strong? Maybe right here on the front row. I want to I give you a test. Can you help me out? Would you stand up? I want to give you three things to test. The first is a pencil made of wood. I want you to try your hardest and see if you can break that thing in half. Show everybody. Okay, he did it. He did it. Let's give him a big round of applause. How hard was that? Not hard hard at all. Okay. That just snapped right in half. And now what once was two pieces, what once was one piece is now in two pieces. I have a second thing for you to test. This is a plastic pen, common Bic pen. I want you to try to break that in two pieces. See, see what you do. Give it, give, give it your best. Come on, let's cheer him on, everybody. Okay, show everybody what happened. So he was able to bend it in half, but not able to break it. So this has a little bit more integrity, doesn't it? I want to try one more. This is a pen, but this is a different kind of pen. This is one that's made of metal, and it's in a shape. That's very difficult. So I want you to try as hard as you can. Just try, try to break that thing. See if you can. Come on. Now don't hurt yourself. Well, put some pressure on that thing. Let me see. No? Okay, let me see. It is still in perfect condition. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Let's give him a hand tonight. <clears throat> With this simple illustration, I simply want to show you that some things in life are easily broken. And the reason is because they lack integrity. Some things in life can go through a test and be untouched, unmolested. It appears as if he didn't even try. But I saw him. He did try to break this thing. This, beloved, this is a picture of Joseph's life. The reason that we know that he was a man of integrity is because of the test. Without the test, without the attempt to bend or break him, we would not know. And I want to declare to you this morning that this is the reason why God allows trials and temptations in your life. God is not the author 
of evil. We understand that. God does not tempt us to sin. God is not that kind of an evil, twisted God who tries to lead you into entrapment. However, God does allow temptation to occur. He allows it. He is not the author of it. But in a fallen world, you and I are going to face temptations. How many of you have faced temptations in the last week, in the last 24 hours? I'm preaching to the right crowd then. See, if we are going to maintain integrity, if our lives are not going to snap in half, if our lives are not going to be bent and withered, if we are going to have any integrity, we have to be tested. And this is what we find in our Scripture. You know, I'm amazed how, uh, how real... I just got ink on myself. <laughs> it's amazing to me how real the Bible is. The Bible is not a kid's book. This is not G-rated. This is a real book about real temptation, about a real life. This is about a real young man. He's probably 19 or 20 years old. And uh, if you know any 19 or 20-year-olds, you will know one thing, especially young men, that the juices are flowing. That there is desire that takes place in the body and in the mind of a young man. And especially, this is like, uh, you know, some kind of fantasy come true. A woman who has power coming and making and approaching him. Come and lie with me, she says. And she makes sure to uh, wait until the other men of the house are gone. The opportunity is right. The desire is there. This, how many young men wouldn't have thought twice? Wouldn't have thought twice. Okay, no problem, let's do this. How many young men would have jumped in without even thinking? That is a life that lacks integrity. To be faced with temptation and to immediately break, and the consequences are legion. We are living in a generation that lacks integrity, and it's no wonder why nearly every home is full of this. Nearly every marriage. Nearly every um, child being raised by broken parents, broken people. Can I tell you, the reason that, that you get hurt in this life, hurt people, hurt people. The reason why we lash out and, and take actions against others is simply because those actions have been taken against us. The reason why people do terrible things in this life is because many times terrible things have been done to them. Someone who lacked integrity broke them and the reason why here's a woman who is uh proposing this evil action for joseph no doubt there's a history there there's a history of abuse there's a history of stepping out on her husband there's a history who knows the history that's there but you know something as a pastor i've learned there's always a history there's always a story behind the story and while it may not excuse 
it may explain why there's a reason this is happening. Integrity must be tested. Martin Luther King Jr., who we are about to celebrate on Monday, one of my favorite people in American history, he said this, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. What about you this morning? When the fire begins to rage, when the temptation begins to burn, when the Potiphar's wife makes a proposition to you, how do you react? This is what is known in the Word of God as the refiner's fire. Malachi 3, verse 2 says, Who can endure the day of His coming and who can stand when He appears? For He, God, is like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Let's go back to this illustration. Do you know why he was not able to break this pen? Because it's made of a material that has been hardened by fire. This thing has gone through the heat. It has gone through a process that has hardened it and put it into a shape that is nearly unbreakable. I don't know if you can see this, but this is if you looked at it from the end, it looks like a triangle. There is no stronger shape in the world than a triangle. A square can easily be broken. A circle can easily be broken. But a triangle has certain properties that make it nearly impossible to bend or break by a human hand. And how did it get in that shape? Did this just show up? Did this fall from the sky? Did this grow out of the ground in this way? No. Beginning with raw material, iron, steel, aluminum. Who knows what that is? It was heated up to a boiling point and cast into a mold, and then it was probably heated again to harden it. What I'm saying to you this morning is that you cannot have integrity without heat. The integrity of our lives will be proven in the fire. It will be proven through the difficulty. By prove, proven by resisting temptation. And this is the mistake that so many believers make. They say to themselves... God is merciful, and God is merciful. God is forgiving, and yes, God is forgiving. And yes, if we sin, there remains a sacrifice to cover our sins. Aren't we glad for that? But if that's as far as you go in the faith, you have not reached maturity, my brother, my sister. You are trampling underfoot the blood of Christ and treating it as worthless. And if we are to grow in faith, and if we are to grow in strength, and if we are to grow in integrity, if we are to become unbroken, it will be through the endurance of temptation. Going through 
and resisting, to do what Joseph did in our story. It's interesting to me what he says to her. He is giving his reasons why. He's not going to do what she desires. Listen to what he says. My master does not know what is with me in the house and has committed all that he has to my hand. Number one, there's a very practical reason why I can't do this thing because I've been given a job. I have a job to do. And if I violate uh, my relationship with my employer who's your husband, then my job is in question. I'm not going to be able to, to work and I'm going to fail at what I've been given. This is true when we give in to temptation. We all have a job to do in this life. You've all been given a role to play. You're a father. You're a mother. You're a husband. You're a wife. You're a child. You're working at a job. And can I tell you, when you give in to temptation, you are putting into jeopardy the jobs that you've been given. It was all the way back in the 90s that there was a, an argument that said, oh, what you do in your personal life doesn't affect your public life. Oh, whatever you do behind closed doors, uh, it doesn't matter. You can still do your job just fine. Not so. The truth is that you are either, that you either have integrity or you don't. You are either breakable or you're not. This is not half with integrity. The Word of God is clear that when we allow temptation to have its way in our lives, it definitely has an effect on other areas of our life. This is why men who are addicted to pornography will always have marriage problems. Always. Even if nobody knows. This is why people who cheat on their taxes will always have money problems. Or people who refuse to give their tithe will always be in debt. Because it's connected. How many know that this morning? It's connected. The reason why Joseph is a man with integrity is because he resisted that temptation. He gives another reason. He says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Everybody say, against God. When Joseph is faced with this mighty temptation, he is reminding Potiphar's wife, and he's also reminding himself. For me to commit this action is not just a sin against my boss. It's not just a sin against myself. It's a sin against my God. Do you sense in that scripture that he has a healthy fear of God? That I will not just be doing something evil on the earth, but there is something broken in heaven. How many of us give in to temptation with no thought that the greatest Sin is not hurting other people. It's ultimately hurting the character of God with our actions. Hurting God's character. If we never clean up these areas of our lives, if we are always lacking integrity, I want to tell you 
it will bring destruction. You will be broken. Some years ago, there was a devastating earthquake that took place in the nation of Haiti. Maybe you remember that. Pastor Campbell preached a masterful sermon about standards and how they save lives. And I want to remind you that the reason why that earthquake was so devastating was because in the nation of Haiti, they did not have building codes or standards to build by. Most of the housing units, apartments, the buildings that were built there were built in very hastily ways. The cement was not reinforced. The uh, foundations were not solid. And so when, a, when an earthquake comes and hits that nation, the reason why the death toll was so devastating was because the lack of standards. That same earthquake can hit California, San Francisco, Los Angeles, can hit Washington, D.C. That same that same earthquake with the same energy and strength can hit another city. But in America, we have building codes. We have standards. We have laws on the books. We have inspectors. We have people come to the, the building site and they look and they make sure what kind of concrete, what materials are re- reinforced. Is there proper maintenance? And because there are standards, because there's preparation, guess what? That same earthquake can hit. And there may be damage. But people will not lose their lives in the same way. Do you know the reason why families are so torn apart? Marriages are so broken. Why children are growing up in some of the worst situations in our culture. It's because of this. No standards. Lack of integrity. Every temptation without thought is given into. A lack of self-restraint. A lack of self-control. Let me tell you, parents, you have small children, you better focus on this. Teach your children how to control themselves. You can control them, you can manipulate them, but when they're out of your sight, when they're out of your authority, can they control themselves? I want to close with this last thought as we close. Integrity pays off eventually. I sent a a picture. Do we have that picture? It's a picture of a house. This, of course, is in Florida. It's a plan for a house. And there's a company in Florida, since Florida is a place that, uh, that is very common for hurricanes to blow through and cause all kinds of damage. So there are specialized companies that make houses that are actually hurricane-proof. This is a plan for a hurricane-proof house. Now, you could take this house and you could put it on the beach in Florida And a Category 5 hurricane can sweep through, and every other house may be devastated. This house will stand. And the reason why is because of all of the the little features that are written out here. So pour in place concrete wall and floors. In other words, the walls are not made out of wood like most houses. They're actually pouring concrete to make those walls. That's pretty strong. Uh, folding doors instead of opening, storm-proof windows, that's like bulletproof glass. Pour in place conc- concrete walls, uh, uh, cement board siding, 
So the siding is not our, our little plastic vinyl that's on my house that breaks if you flick it, you know. But this is made from cement. Fold away windows and doors. They fold, there's a full wall that closes the front door to cover all of those doors. A concrete floor is raised off of the ground. It says three feet so it can withstand floods. A skylight with stormproof glass up top. A seam roof made out of metal. A sun shading overhang in the closed position. This thing can close down and cover up that front. There are people who have gone into depth to prepare for the possibility of a Category 5 hurricane beating against that house. And when the whole neighborhood gets leveled, it'll still be there. Now let me ask you something. Do you believe that that house is more or less expensive than the house next door? Much more expensive. It's probably double or triple the cost of the house next door. Because of the high standards, it's expensive. It's difficult to build. Do you think that it takes longer or less time to build than the house next door? Probably a lot longer, right? Probably takes six months to build instead of the three months of a normal house. Probably take nine to 12 months, right, to build for the concrete to set, for the strength to be formed. It's expensive, it's hard, it's difficult, it has to go through the fire so that when the storm hits, it will remain. It'll have integrity. I want to tell you, Joseph, because of his integrity, it paid off. But I want to tell you, it wasn't the next day. I want to remind you that Joseph's integrity, God's blessing because of that, listen, it didn't happen the next week. Or the next month. You know what happened to Joseph that day? Because he stood up for what was right, he went to prison. It appeared that his integrity meant nothing. It appeared that the high price that he paid of resisting this powerful temptation, it appeared that it had no effect. And worse, he went to prison, an Egyptian jail, for 20 years, paying the price. That's pretty expensive. I want to remind you this morning, righteousness is expensive. You will pay a price. Tithing is expensive. Holiness is expensive. You'll pay a price. It takes a long time. Purity, keeping your eyes pure from wickedness, your ears pure It's hard to do that. When I first got saved, I remember, man, I was so addicted to wicked music. It took me years. But God, I would come to church and I'd get convicted. Because the thing was that God was changing who I was. God was changing my desires. And I would leave the church and turn on that filth. Be playing in my ears. And it does not mix well with the Holy Spirit. And I would get so convicted. And finally, one day, you know, this is back before streaming and before iPods, I had a whole case full of CDs, man. Some of you know what that looked like. One of those opening case full. I had like 500 CDs in there. It was crazy. 
God convicted me so bad that I went through and I picked out all of that wickedness. And I took it to a trash can. And I hit it with a hammer. And God set me free. I wanted my ears to have integrity that day. Can I tell you, 20 years later, it pays off. I don't have to fight those battles like I used to fight. Joseph's integrity did pay off, but it was 20 years later. It's only two chapters in the Bible, but within two chapters, 20 years have gone by. And in Genesis 41, verse 39, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house. Whose house? Pharaoh's house. All my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Let me ask you, where did that victory come from? I declare that it came one day when a wicked woman reached out to take him. He ran away from her, his garment still in her hand. And God looked at that and said, I can trust this man. Twenty years later, it paid off. How many of us miss out on the blessing, authority, dominion that God has for us because we lose the battle of integrity? How many of us are still fighting the battles of 20 years ago because we don't take dominion over temptation? See, the Bible says you have a will. You can make a decision today. It is within your power. Some people pray, God, deliver me. And God is up in heaven saying, why don't you make a decision? A decision to resist temptation. That when the fire begins to burn, let it strengthen you instead of break you. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vbph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.